Welcome to the Repertory Podcast with your host, Karen Allen, where each episode takes you from case scenario to words, from words to rubrics, from rubrics to rep set, from repertorization to remedies, from differential to outcome, all in about 25 minutes. It's fun, it's quick, it's never the same. Grab your repertory, a pen and paper to take some notes, and buckle up. This is a 64-year-old man who has two symptoms, two. And we review all the body systems. We go through all kinds of stuff. And really, truly, these are the two symptoms that I can find. And uh, we'll be looking today at what happens when you have a generally healthy person who has a recent change with a couple of symptoms. And how do you build a repertorization around that? A lot of times the people who come to us are really sick. They have a lot wrong with them. And so much of the time, our challenge is to sort out. We've got so much that we have to figure out what is most crucial to the case. But sometimes somebody comes to us and that's not really the problem. The problem is how do we find enough to be specific for that client? Right. So this client comes in because of one symptom that has been going on for the last four to five weeks. And week by week, the symptom has gotten a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. He says, when I first lie down to sleep at night, my head hits the pillow and immediately I feel this vertigo as if I am spinning. And within a minute or two, it passes. And at first it was just very, very vague. It was a slight thing, and I would think, oh, that's like a little wave of dizzy that goes through. And then it got to where it was quite getting quite strong, and then it got to where it was getting quite strong, and it wasn't just a few seconds, it was a moment or two minutes. And so now he's got this intense vertigo as if he is spinning, it only happens when he lays down to go to bed and as soon as his head hits the pillow that's when he feels it and within two minutes it's gone there's no accompanying nausea there's no sense of body temperature change hot cold perspiration nothing going on with his stomach no other sensation except the experiential vertigo as if spinning. I go through a whole review of body systems. We ask about etiology. How long has this been going on? About a month. Um, the typical things that could be related to this, overwork, lack of sleep, the kinds of things that would create, say, a cocculus labyrinthitis, kind of thing. 
client says that's not an issue. There's been no change recently in his workload. So then I ask about his personal life. Everything in his personal life is going well. The next thing that I'm wondering about is, could this vertigo be somehow related to flu, to COVID, to some kind of acute illness? So we screen for this. Did you run a fever? No. Not in the last month to six weeks? No. No fever. Nights where you were super cold in bed. Maybe he had a fever, but he only experienced it as a chill. No. Has anybody around you tested positive for COVID? Have you had any known exposure? No. Then I go through body systems. Anything changing in your musculoskeletal system? Anything changing in your respiratory system? Anything changing in your digestive system? And it's no, 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 until we get to digestive. And he says, you know, it's interesting. In the last two months, I'll bet I've put on five to seven pounds. And he said, I'm just eating more than I need. And that is unusual for me. I'll take a second helping, even when I'm not really hungry anymore, just because it tastes good. Or I'll eat an extra meal instead of a snack. And he said, that's unusual for me. Rose brings up a good point. Has he had any change in medications? He's not on any medications at all. I mean, isn't this kind of a weird scenario? So we have two prominent symptoms that are a marked change from what's normal for him within the last four to six weeks. So let's see if we can find these two things. Let's start in the vertigo section. Where are we going to look for vertigo when laying down? We're looking for vertigo that happens immediately upon lying down. Salo's bringing up vertigo lying while. It's not actually while he's lying down because it's only right as he lays down. And within a minute, it's gone. Oh, thank you. Lori says vertigo, lying down on, in the act of. So it is actually when he lays down at that moment is exactly when the vertigo happens. Okay, so this is interesting. Let's look at what's in here. When we look to see what's in here, First thing is that I want you to notice that there's nothing in here in bold type. There's no level three entries in this rubric. There's two things that are grade two and all the rest is grade one. It's kind of an unusual rubric, okay? So lying down in the act of. Now, if we were to say, all right, this is kind of a small rubric, there's only 27 things in here, how rare do we think this symptom is? Is this symptom rare enough 
that someone would have transient vertigo only at the point of laying down. Is that rare enough that we would only expect there to be 27 remedies in there? Or should we maybe hedge our bets a little bit by seeing if we can find some other rubric that has an aggravation immediately upon laying down? Would we look in the sleep section? Would we look in generalities? Would we look in the head section? What do you guys think? Where should we go? Generalities, lying, aggravates, down immediately after lying down. We got two remedies in there, centris and ferrum iodatum, and neither of those are in the other rubric. But we'll grab it anyway, we'll say thank you. Generalities lying after aggravates. Ooh, that's interesting. Lying aggravates after. So this is after someone has laid down. Okay. It doesn't capture the transient nature of it, but it certainly captures the timing of it. So I'll go for that. Is there something that we might want to add about uh, the brief nature of the symptom? That the symptom is very transient. Is there anything that we can add about that? I'm not sure that we can say that suddenness is its defining quality because it happens with the horizontal position. But it, it is brief. So is there, do we have some sort of a rubric for symptoms that are transient or brief? What would we look up there? It's not an easy concept to grab in the repertory, is it? He says, I find myself eating like an extra meal. Sometimes he says, I'll eat like a third or half again as much as I usually would. Normally, I don't take second helpings of things. Where do we look for this? This is not because he's hungry. He says very specifically, I like the way it tastes and I'm not actually even sure why I'm eating more. Normally I would not have a snack and I just find myself eating. This is an interesting point. Salo says, is this like malabsorption? The truth is we don't know. We can make all kinds of conjecture about what it might be. Is he nervous about something? Is he eating for an emotional relief? I mean, the truth is, guys, we're in a super stressful environment right now with a world pandemic and um, social unrest and strange politics and, 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 and. But when I ask him, are you experiencing this as a stress? Is eating giving you relief? He says, no. He has a normal appetite. He eats. He just eats more. And appetite increased is not accurate. He's not more hungry for more food than he usually is. How would you look up 
somebody's um, idea about eating that's not prompted by their actual physiological appetite. Salo says insatiable. I would think about that if he was actually eating and never stopping, but that's not true. He just eats like a third or half again as much as he usually does. Uh, stomach appetite hunger without. That actually is a pretty good choice, Alicia. I like that. Mother says capricious appetite, but not knows not what for. No, nope. he's not having the experience of I'm hungry, but nothing suits me. He's having the experience of I'm eating things that do suit me, even when I'm not hungry. Mm. So stomach appetite, hunger without. Yeah, and it's got one remedy in it. Ooh, Dawn, I love it. Look at what Dawn has put in here. Mind eating without hunger. Oh, I don't have this rubric. Can you put the whole rubric in here? I don't have that rubric. Do you guys know the word cupidity? So this word, C-U-P-I-D-I-T-Y, that the old homeopaths used for what they called gross feeders. And these were people who just ate more than what they needed. It was a greediness about food. And so if we look at this rubric, greed, cupidity, eating in, this is where he's, he knows and he flat out says, I'm eating more than I usually would. I'm eating more than I am hungry for. So it is actually a function of the mind. So Dawn, this was a really, you know, so often guys, when we're looking at something about eating, we immediately go to the stomach and all the rubrics about appetite are about the stomach. And so we end up going to see what is the mechanism of hunger. But in this case, where we would expect to see something like overeating, but if you look for that in stomach, it just has to do with fullness, overeating, it aggravates, it causes some physical sensation, somebody gets heartburn. I asked all these questions to find out what was going on with him and was he having any problem with the overeating other than gaining weight? Was he getting hiccups? Was he getting heartburn? Was he feeling overfull and uncomfortable? And he said, no. So this is the rubric that I ended up with. Mind, greed, cupidity, eating in. Okay. Do you guys agree with our rubrics here? 
let's ask our three important questions. One, is it true? Is there any rubric here that wouldn't make it past rubric court because it isn't true for what our client said? They all seem good? Okay. Anybody remember what our, our second best test question is? Good. Are they all necessary? Is it helpful? Yeah, sometimes we throw in their rubrics we can find because we can't find the ones we need. So I might put something in here like uh, he sleeps on his right side, which is so not relevant because he has the symptom whether he's on his back, left, right, whatever. But it might be a rubric I could find. And since I'm feeling kind of desperate, I might grab one of those and stick it in there. And then our third question, is there anything crucial about the case that's missing that is not represented here? Okay, so let's see what we got here. I'm actually gonna change the order of these a little bit because it makes it easier to look through them. So guys, one of the things that you can do that will make it easier to look through your chart is put the largest rubrics at the top and the smaller rubrics below. And it will help the way that the chart looks for you to help you see what's going on. This one small rubric here, do you remember what was in it? Centris and ferrum iodatum. Now you'll notice that up in here, ferrum is here but ferrum iodatum is not. Ferrum is here and iodum is here. Ferrum is here, iodum is here. Ferrum iodatum is here. And it's such a small rubric. And both of these are from Kent. And Kent's documentation was generally extremely reliable. So, I looked at all of this, and here we've got iodum way down here. We've got ferrum up here. We don't have a clear etiology. We don't have a, anything that gives us a sense why this has come on. And he has repeated his constitutional remedy, which made no difference. So his constitutional remedy is Dulcamara. And he's been on Dulcamara for probably 15 years. And Dulcamara, interestingly, is a remedy that has a cough when you first lie down. But that didn't make any difference for him. Dulcamara is a plant equivalent of calcarea, very, very similar. So in this case, my choice was to get him started on ferrum iodatum as an organ support because this was um, the appetite thing seemed associated with an iodum terrain and this little rubric was much more specific than these others. So that's what I gave, ferrum iodatum in a 12X once daily. Now, do I think that this is a chronic constitutional state? No, do I still don't understand why he got this. But I can say that within three days, all of the symptoms were gone. 
the first night, the symptoms were actually aggravated. It lasted three or four minutes. The second night, it lasted about five seconds. And the third night, it was gone. So when we see a case like this, where we can't identify a larger context, our best strategies are to look at the specific symptoms in a narrow range and in a broad range and see what are the threads that go through all of them. Now, that doesn't mean that plenty of these other remedies that we see here wouldn't have worked. I just didn't try them, so I don't know. Okay, so that's it for today, guys. That's our interesting, weird case of the week. All right, so it'd be a great idea if you wanted to go read about ferrum iodatum, read in, I don't know, Clark's Materia Medica or Allen's Encyclopedia or Herring or something like that, and try to get some idea. Why does ferrum iodatum have vertigo like that? I truly, I don't know. I think the whole thing is pretty squirrely. All right, guys, best wishes to all of you. I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for investing your time and effort into learning and using the repertory. You're invited to join us live at Monday Midday Repertory as we create these podcast episodes. Learn more about how to use the repertory with me, Karen Allen, author of the repertory tutorial and workbook, which is now an e-course at www.trinityhealthhub.com. See you next time with another repertory case.